Hello, this is episode 314 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha O'Reilly. So I had lots of notes done out to record a podcast on some Octavia E. Butler books, but I'm going to park that for a little while. I think there's a lot of other things brewing around it anyway. I'm going to talk about some of the things I think about every time there's a mass shooting that maybe I haven't said out loud. Every time this happens, it could be any one of hundreds of people I've worked with. That's what I feel every time. And the only reason it's not the people that I work with is not because they're not capable of it, or not because they're not in the same space, or not because their families are not in the same space, but because they don't have access to guns. And I've been talking now for about 13 years since I set up my school, that I worry that there will be a mass stabbing event, at least in an Irish school system. And again, I'm afraid to say that out loud, because often the things I either say out loud or that I write happen. And one of the other books that I'm reading at the moment that I'm probably going to talk a little bit about is Young's Red Book. And I've been thinking a lot about his ideas of collective consciousness. And I didn't really realise how much of a tool that is for me. And this week on my Patreon, I'm sharing a piece of writing that I wrote in October 2020. And there's a real sense of the other discussion and the other reason that there were 450 protests in America this weekend. That that's the piece I wrote then. And I entitled it New Troops. So a part of me is afraid to talk about this, but a part of me realises that I need to. And what I see each time in the photographs of the parents is that I see that it takes a certain type of child with a certain personality. It takes a certain type of feminine energy and a certain type of masculine energy. And the reality is that for the people that I work with, the mothers end up in this situation that starts to unfold, usually around the age of 13. So in this case, the mother has probably lived with the knowledge that she's essentially living in the same house as someone that sort of feels like a monster, but trying not to face that fact, feeling hugely disconnected from it, unable to reach them, unable to talk about it, unable to sleep, beyond tired in not expressing any emotion or any sense of what the reality is or what they feel or that gnawing sense of what they hope is not true. And very often when I work with these mothers and they break down and they start crying, it's the first time they've ever cried. And it's a horrible space. You have a personality of somebody who is in a very ego space, very controlling, really needs to be seen as clever, is hugely clever, very resourceful, brilliant at understanding and learning what they want to learn. They don't fit into the school system. They don't ever feel that anyone can see them. 
They don't do well in it. And the part that's very difficult each time for me is that people might look at me and think that somehow these are my people and they're not my people. <laughs> that's the real irony for me in this. They're the people who bullied me in school, abused me, verbally, physically, sexually. They terrorized me every day because they had to belittle somebody else. They actually have no literacy challenges. There are no reasons, unlike me, as to why they can't excel in education. That's the, the really bizarre part for me. They're merely not seen, not reached, and don't have a way to express themselves and feel very different and don't feel included in society. That's the resounding thing that they all have in common. But they're not my people. I have nothing in common with them. It costs me a great deal to meet them where they're at because they've created a great deal of pain for me in my own life. But I know that if I don't meet them and I don't see them and I don't help them to understand their talents and the possible good purposes and functions that they have in the world, and I don't meet them in that place of compassion, that they will do terrible things. And that's what drives me. And there are so many high-profile celebrities and successful role models in society that we hold up, that we judge on their ability to have a following, to have a platform, to make vast amounts of money, to be able to buy very high-profile businesses with a lot of control. And if they put their talents to any of the things that we need to happen in the world, like the end of deforestation, proper green renewable energy resources, transport that wasn't just taking another type of resource on the planet to, to thrive. Like for me, electric cars is not the, not the answer. If they put their mind and their talents and their abilities to any one of those things, they could hugely impact humanity. And the only reason they don't is because they have never experienced what they need to feel loved and to care enough outside of themselves about other people. Their only measure ever in being successful and in even keeping their own families happy is striving to do these things in society that we hold up. And when it goes toxic, and it goes really toxic, we have a mass shooting. They consider walking into their school classrooms even and annihilating their peers because they can't see any other way to reach people. And I've been writing a book now for a year. It's the most difficult book I've ever written. And the reason it's so difficult is because I'm trying to write about the disconnect from the feminine energy and the pain that needs to be healed. But I'm trying to write about that in a way 
where none of it can be used to simply just blame women and make this the mother's problem. The fact that we have to realize that the mother in where she functions from is a product of the society and everything that's wrong. And it's bizarre because my school experiences that make these people not my people, but yet I still realize have to be met, that that's the only way they're going to change. Like I had a type of person such as this who inflicted physical pain on me every day for a whole year in school, in secondary school, and I didn't retaliate. And they eventually got bored and stopped. And I later found out that they grew up in an abusive home themselves. So they just acted out on me what they suffered themselves and in their own lack of being seen and being worthy. And so I went to school during the time frame when James Baldwin wrote the piece, Dark Days. And he's writing it about when he went to school and slightly younger. And some of the parts that I'll try and read out here. He was talking about himself as a student. I was an exceedingly shy, withdrawn and uneasy student, yet my teachers somehow made me believe that I could learn. And when I could scarcely see for myself any future at all, my teachers told me that the future was mine. Every child's sense of himself is terrifyingly fragile. And then later he says, I am talking then about the morale, that sense of self with which the child must be invested. No child can do it alone. And he's talking about it in a context of black children growing up and going to school in Harlem. And I'm talking about it in a context of white children who appear to come from every privilege and every resource and have every need met and every opportunity available to them. And yet, they don't have a sense of self any better. And they can't do it alone either. And their families don't know how to do it. And their mothers especially don't know how to talk about it. And that's what I see in the photos of the parents every time there's this, something like this happens. I see the people that I work with. And I know that the only reason I'm not working with it to this scale is because they can't get their hands on the equipment to inflict such pain. And I know that I need more people to meet them in compassion in the same way as I do. I know I need just one teacher in their lives in school to see them as I see them. Because often, like this has happened very recently, I have recommended to a family taking their child out of school for the last couple of weeks in the run-up to the exams because I know that they will do better outside the system and that if I can have them do well, that they'll feel better about themselves and that will be a building block to convincing them to move to a different environment, that they're not a failure. But I know that if I keep them in school for the next three weeks, that they will go in and that some teacher every day will crawl up and down their back and make them feel so bad and ridicule them so much in front of their peers and that they will feel so worthless that I won't manage to change anything. And they will be this 
festering, discontented individual who doesn't fit into the world and thinks that that's everybody else's fault. And that family have done a stunning job of raising their child. Unlike some of the other families possibly that I work with, they've had a little bit more belief. Maybe they had a little bit more love themselves growing up. Maybe they just experienced something slightly differently. So they've been able to construct everything to be brilliant. But the one part that they've given their power away to is what happens outside the home in education. Because they feel that that's beyond them when it's not. But in many cases, people don't feel in control of any of it. They don't feel in control of their own homes. They don't have a family life. Everyone is so disconnected that there's no conversations taking place. They don't know what their child is writing on their computer. And what I feel every time, and maybe the reason I don't have these conversations, is that there's a polarization that takes place where we assume that the writing of James Baldwin from 1980, Dark Days, couldn't possibly apply to a white child. But when I read him, it's just like my school days. And it takes so little in what he talks about for people to develop this, what I call core, this sense of core and secureness. It literally, one person can bring that to your life and change everything. And that can be anybody. But unfortunately, the people who often have the most power in that are teachers, and I'm not sure that they realize just how much power they have.